today, if um, you wanted to convey to somebody why Christians do the things they do, what would you say to them? Let me give you some examples of, of what I mean. <clears throat> if you um, were speaking to somebody and you were telling them about a believer, a Christian, somebody who's a follower of Jesus, who was um, paying for somebody to go to school because they couldn't afford to do that. Why would you tell them that Christian, that person does something like that? Um, why, why would you why would you tell somebody that um, a Christian you know or a family you know is is fostering some children because they don't have parents why would you why would they be doing something like that why why why, why, why do Christians go to hospital and pray for people who are sick and, and are injured and maybe even people last night who were admitted to the emergency? Why, why, why do Christians do things like that? Is it because they see the need around them? You think that's why they do it? When I come to, to God's Word, there is only one motive, and there's only one reason I see that Christians do what they do. It's because they love Jesus. There is no other reason. In chapter 14 of Mark's Gospel, we discover that what Mary did one day, when the Bible tells us Jesus was having a meal with some people, some of them were definitely his disciples, we discover that what Mary did that day, the Bible says will be spoken about whenever the Gospel is preached. Jesus said these words in verse 9 of Mark 14. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. For Jesus... What she did was so significant that it was never, ever to be forgotten. It's a bit like what happened in South Africa in 1994. We had the very first free and democratic elections, and that must never be forgotten. 
It's so significant. It must never be forgotten. Now for 21st century Christians like you and me, what Mary did was very weird. Because what Mary did was she took a bottle of really expensive perfume. Think about this. Just think about it. And she broke this bottle of perfume. She poured it, and the Gospels, Mark's Gospel says she poured it on his head. John's Gospel says she poured it on his feet. So probably both were true. Poured this perfume over his head. Would have been a perfumed oil, not perfume like we know it. Perfumed oil. Pours it over his head. Pours it over his feet. Then she lets down her hair. And she uses her hair as a towel, and she begins to wipe Jesus' feet with her hair. Would that sound, would that look a bit weird to you? It would to me. It would be very strange. So let's read this account in case you think I'm having you on. In Mark 14, now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to arrest Jesus and kill him. Now, what's interesting, and I want you to remember this, this is the last week of Jesus' life. It's the last week that he is going to be alive before he is crucified. And the, the, we discover that uh, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they, they're wanting to put Jesus to death, but in verse 2 it says, not during the feast, or people may riot. Now, that might sound strange to you, but, but often when the Jews would come to Jerusalem for the festivals, there was a lot of uh, writing that would take place because they were so opposed to Roman oppression and rule. And so whenever something like this happened in Jerusalem, it was, it was like a hot spot. It was like Hong Kong, what's happening there. And the story goes on to say that while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table of, uh, in the home of, of a man known as Simon the leper, now, you would have never gone to the home of somebody who was a leper unless what? They'd been cleansed. This is probably a man who'd been healed through the ministry of Jesus. And a woman came with an alabaster jar, very expensive perfume, made of pure nard. Now, for, let me tell you when it speaks about this, this perfume. It's called spike nard. Um, she's got it. She's in Bethany, which is really close to Jerusalem. I discovered that this perfume is actually made in the Himalaya, Himalayan mountains. It's, it's from the root of a spikenard plant. and was a very expensive process to extract the perfume. And then it had to get all the way from India to Jerusalem. That's why this perfume that she's pouring on Jesus is so expensive. And it says that she broke the jar and she poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? 
She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you'll always have with you. And you can help them anytime you want. But you'll not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. Whenever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And what Mary did over here, when we read about it, we are meant to ask ourselves the question, why is what she did so significant that Jesus says it will be retold over and over and over again? It it would seem as though her act of devotion to Jesus, her expression of, of love and gratitude to Him must be remembered forever. And I will tell you why. Because the Bible says you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. It is the greatest commandment. No follower of Jesus must ever lose sight of the fact that their love And their gratitude to Jesus must be central to absolutely everything they do. The cornerstone, if I might put it like this this morning, of Christianity, the central focus of Christianity is to love Jesus and to be grateful to God for what He has done for every single believer. There's no doubt in... This Mary that we are speaking about that's doing this is the, she is the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. Do you remember Lazarus who was raised from the dead? This is the lady that's doing this. And there's absolutely no doubt that what Mary was doing was expressing love and gratitude to Jesus. You know, what struck me about when when I was preparing this talk is that absolutely everything you and I do is to be an expression of our love and gratitude for Jesus. Does it make sense to you? That's why when Jesus speaks to the church in Ephesus, the one thing that he is deeply concerned about, and I He's got a lot of good things to say about the church in Ephesus. But the one thing that he says, if we can go to the next verse, please. I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. That church was a model church in everything they did. Jesus said, You've forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you've fallen. It's like you can do all of these things that you are doing as a church, and if you don't love me, everything falls flat. You know it's possible for us as believers to do what we're doing just because it's a duty. Because we know what we are supposed to be doing. Are you at church this morning because you know you're supposed to come to church? 
Or are you here today because you say, I love Jesus and I came here this morning to worship Jesus? I ask you. I think the one thing that I remembered when I, I became a follower of Jesus For the first time I, I came to know Christ, I, I was filled with the Spirit. And I remember everything in life became absolutely insignificant because I was so deeply grateful to God for what He'd done for me. Uh, this might not sound like a big deal to you, but I, I remember my dad had died and, and we were a family of four kids. My mom was struggling to eke out a living. I remember I just, I used to, I had a Saturday job. And I remember taking everything that I had, all the money that I had, and just gave it to my mother. And, and when I was doing that, I remember it was such a privilege to be able to do that because compared to what Jesus had done, it like that was like nothing. What was money? Compared to what Jesus had done for me compared to what Jesus was doing for me. And I share that with you because there's a story behind what Mary did in pouring perfume over Jesus' head and feet. And it goes right back to what had happened to her brother Lazarus. Not too long before Lazarus um, had died, Mary and her her sister Martha sent word to Jesus. He was in Jerusalem at the time, doing ministry there. And they sent word to Jesus, and this is the word they sent to him. Lazarus, your friend, is desperately ill. Please come. And when you read the story in John's Gospel, even though Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus loved them Deeply, he loved Mary, he loved Martha, he loved Lazarus. He stayed there two more days because he knew that God was going to be glorified through what was going to take place. And I wonder this morning if there are some people here today who are saying, Lord, why are you not answering my prayers? Why are you not doing things the way that I've asked you. Lord, I love you, and I know you love me, and I know you care for me. The Bible tells me, the preacher tells me that every Sunday, but you're not answering my prayers the way that I want. And when Jesus eventually arrives in Bethany, Lazarus is dead and buried. Quite hectic. Jesus, in that moment, he's deeply moved by what's happened. He, he's moved as he sees a Mary and Martha weeping. He's moved in his heart as he, as he hears about the death of his friend Lazarus. The Bible tells us he wept. And then he goes with the group of mourners to the tomb, and he says to them, take away the stone. 
And then he does the unthinkable. He calls a dead man out of a grave. And the next minute, I want you to picture this. He wasn't dressed in a suit or the best clothes like we do at a funeral. You know, if you have an open coffin, people are quite. This guy's been wrapped in bandages. He's been embalmed. He's got grave clothes on. Here's this guy walking out of the tomb with all these bandages wrapped around him. I mean, talk about mummy. And Jesus, that's why he says to him, take the grave clothes off him. And people go ballistic. Because here's Lazarus walking out of the grave. And the reason Jesus did what he did and the reason Jesus did what he did the way that he did it, because he wanted people to believe that God had sent him. He wanted people to believe that he was God's son. John tells us, so they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you, you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you've sent me. And when Jesus said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And so when we read about what Mary is doing over here, it's out of a deep sense of gratitude and love for Jesus, for what he has done for her and her family. Her disappointment, her discouragement, her tears have given way to worship and gratitude and love for Jesus that she just can't contain any longer. And then she does the unthinkable. Now, I'm going to put this in today's terms so you get it. She took a bottle of perfume worth 250 to 300,000 rand. Is there anybody that owns perfume to that value here today? None of you would even think about buying perfume like this. I'm not even sure perfume exists at that price. Maybe I'm wrong because I don't really buy perfume like this. Maybe it does. But in today's terms, she was taking a bottle of perfume worth 250,000 rand. She breaks the head of the bottle open, pours it over Jesus' head and feet, and then she begins to wipe off the excess with her hair. And friends, all of this I'm saying for one reason. That's what happens when somebody loves Jesus. That's what happens when somebody's really grateful to Jesus. The thing that struck me in preparing this was how much our lives revolve around ourselves today. My prayers are about my comfort. My money is about me. Where I live is about me. What I do is about me. Church, have we lost our way? 
do we, do we still love Jesus like this? You know, when Mary was doing that, she didn't care what people were saying. She didn't care. People were rebuking her. People are saying to a woman, what do you think you're doing? She had ceased to care because there was only one person in that room that was important. It was Jesus. One thing I can say to you today, you can ignore him now, but there will come a day when you'll see him and then you'll know what worship is about. Do you know, that's why I read that scripture from Revelation early on in the, in the worship time. Do you know that every creature in the presence of Jesus is falling on their face before him. They aren't saying, Lord, what about? And do you mind? And could you? They are just on their faces. Because of what he has done for them. Friends, worthy is the lamb that was slain. We can't look after orphans just because they haven't got parents. We look after orphans because Jesus is worthy of all of the praise and love and gratitude that we can bring. We sing songs when we come here. Not because we enjoy the nice words. We are singing them because He's worthy of all the praise, all our gratitude, and all of the worship because he was slain for you and he died for me. I think sometimes we need to come out of church services and I know this is true for me, so this is not me speaking at you or to you where we need to go on our knees when we get home and say, God, I'm sorry that I just went there again. Have you forgotten about what people think? Because Jesus is absolutely everything that concerns you. just have to ask you that this morning. We cannot carry on doing it any other way. When somebody loves Jesus like this, when somebody is so grateful to Jesus like this, you don't care about how much you give away. That was probably Mary's 
nest egg. It was probably all that she owned. That was a lot of money in those days. People were not wealthy like today. Most people were quite average and poor. Friends, when, when it comes to our money and what we do with it, are we like, God, I'll give you as little as I can because I need to spend the rest on me. Mary's, do you know that Mary did the opposite? She gave as much as she could because of all he meant to her. She was willing to, you noticed how willing she is to be misunderstood. <coughs> Trevor, she let her hair down. You know, only people that let their hair down in those days were prostitutes. She came into, and probably this is true to say, she came into probably what was a meal where there were only men. Probably. And she said, if you misunderstand me because I'm worshiping Jesus, I just don't care. Because I just, my focus is on him. Remember when David, when, when one of his wives criticized him because he was dancing, worshiping before the Lord. And, and people tell you he did it, he was like half naked. That's a lot of rubbish. He just took off his outer garment that a king would have worn. And he's obviously doing that for practical reasons because he wants to dance and express himself. And his wife criticized him. And he said, I don't care what people think about me, but when I come to him, he is worthy of everything. Better finish the sermon because the time's going. The sermon's only got one other part to it, and it's the unexpected response of the other people in the room. And they, you notice what they do? They're like rebuking her. Some of those present, this is what it says, were saying indignantly to one another, why waste this person? Could have been sold for more than a year's wages. And I want to say this. Extravagant acts of worship like this are always a reminder of what matters to God. Not what matters to people. What matters to God. <clears throat> Francis Chan, some of you know Francis Chan, some of you don't. He's a, he's a pastor, preacher in the States. Writes these words that have pierced my heart. 
my hope and prayer for you is that the church, that church people don't try and normalize you. What I mean is that we often try and calm people down who are just too passionate and radical. As a church, we tend to do this to people who are passionate and bold. We mellow them out, institutionalize them, and deaden them to the work the Spirit is doing in them. And you know, when you read John chapter 12, you discover the spokesman in the room is Judas. Remember, Judas had his own agenda. He was dipping into the money bag. So he thought, if this money got into the money bag, my bank account will swell. That's why he's speaking it out. But I want you to notice what happens here. That what Judas begins to verbalize spills over onto the other people in the room. Because that's what it, how it works. When people start saying stuff like this, well, it spills over onto others. And eventually it wasn't just the voice of Jesus who says, and others were now rebuking her. You would have thought they would have supported her. You would have thought they would have celebrated what she's doing. Wow, look at the way she's... But no. The opposite is happening. Let me hasten to say, Jesus is not against giving to the poor. You know that. The poor you'll have with you always. What she's done is a good thing. This is what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, you can always give to the poor, but there's one thing that I'm against. Don't stop Mary in her act of devotion and love in what she's doing. And what Jesus is saying, when people get fired up for me and love me and worship me and are grateful for what I've done, don't put them down. Because we don't like that as Christians. We don't want anybody getting too radical for God. We don't want people getting too expressive for God. We don't want people being too sacrificial for God. You know why? Because it shows the rest of us up. Don't stop her. What she's doing is a good thing. Remember the greatest commandment. I read it to you earlier on. Let me put this into some context and then we'll have communion together because I had a sense from God this morning that communion's meant to be the focus of everything this morning. <clears throat> Mary was doing what she was doing in gratitude to Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, right? What she didn't know, in, in about a week's time, she would see the ultimate evidence of love that the world has ever seen. 
it would make Lazarus coming out of the tomb absolutely insignificant. It's when the one who raised Lazarus from the dead let men nail him to the cross and humiliate him. That's what was going to happen. That's what it says in Romans. And can we put that verse up, please? Here it is. Rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. But God demonstrates his love. why we should be worshipping today, falling on our faces before him today. He didn't just help us. He didn't just answer a prayer. He gave himself for you and me. we should be going together and being devoted to prayer not because there's a church prayer meeting not because our country's in need not because people are sick we should be doing it because we love Jesus. And if you don't, and if I don't, we want to help the poor. Not because, just because there's injustice and poverty. We do it because we love Jesus. We give financially not because the pastor asked you to make up the shortfall in the budget. We do it because we love Jesus. Does that make sense? Serving in the church. Caring for the need, whatever it is. Saying to ourselves, we will, we will never condone any form of racism in our church. Guys, because we love Jesus. He died so that those things would not exist. We cannot if we love Jesus. Ever do anything other than honor Him by the way we do things and what we do. I guess I'm about at the end of the sermon. 
the early church. There were four things they did. Do you remember them? They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to fellowship, and what was the last one? The breaking of bread. Okay? There's one word that I want you to notice in that. It's the word devoted to. You see, people who love Jesus are devoted to those things. We're going to come to the communion table now, but I, I want to just read something to you about communion before we do it. first disciples devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, which in the New Testament refers to a shared meal in which they celebrated the Lord's Supper. These believers that celebrated the Lord's Supper were often misunderstood and opposed by the people around them. Some were beaten and even put to death for following Jesus. So imagine what it would have meant for them when they gathered with the few people who shared their mission and their beliefs. Imagine sitting around a table and sharing a meal with people who loved you unconditionally, whose lives had changed in the same way as yours. You break bread and you eat it, and you remember that Jesus' body was broken so that you could find life. Imagine drinking wine with his fellow believers as you recall how his blood was shed. He did this for you so that you could be cleansed and forgiven of your sins. If communion has become boring for us now, it could be that we've lost sight of the value of Jesus' sacrifice. God wants us to love the Lord's Supper so much that we feel as if we can't live without it. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Now we're going to do that. We're going to have the Lord's, what we call the Lord's Supper, or communion, or breaking of bread, whatever you may be familiar with. <clears throat> and I hope, I hope I haven't been too heavy-handed in sharing with you this morning. really feel loving Jesus is everything. I can't think of anything greater. I cannot think of anything more important. For any person here, irrespective, than loving Jesus and being grateful to Him. So when we break bread, He's saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your body that was broken. Thank you for your blood that was shed. And we do this 
in remembrance of him. Okay? So those who are going to help me at the table can